Well, hello, Heritage family. How are we doing? It is so good to be with you this morning to our Bettendorf family. I want to say hello, love you guys. I know you're in good hands with Pastor Meredith this weekend. Uh, to those of you joining us online, welcome. And to our Rock Island family, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a few months since I've had a chance to see you, and in many ways, I feel like I may need to introduce myself to you as well as those of you who are joining us. So, my name's Justin, I'm part of the ministry team, and I'm thrilled to be here today. I got to tell you, being here at the Rock Island campus and interacting with some of you in the hallways, just checking in, hearing how God is at work in your life has been refreshing to me. And, and I, I was reminded even this morning of the beauty of being one family, one church in many locations. You see, we, we can't always gather in one space together and, and look each other in the eye and, and kind of rub shoulders in that way. But the beauty of being one church in multiple locations is, is that we gather at the same time in different venues and different spaces to worship the same God. Amen? To worship the same God that is doing incredible things in our midst. And I want you to know today that our God is doing incredible things awesome things at our Bettendorf campus. Our God is at work in and through the Esperanza Center, through Vida Nueva, through our different Second Gap ministry expressions there. And I know that our God is at work right here at our Rock Island campus. And it's with that anticipation that we gather this weekend, anticipating that God is going to do something in our midst, amongst us, but also in us, that only he can get credit for. You see, God is on the throne. He's on the throne, and he is sovereign, and he is able. And in many ways, that's the hope. That's the promise that we hold on to in these days. Over the last few weeks, as you've, you've flipped between news stations, you've seen reports of the tragedies that have taken place in Louisiana and, and in Minnesota and in Dallas. And even this week, one that hit close to home for the Barnes family as I watched vi- uh, images in St. Joseph, Michigan at the Berrien County Courthouse the place that Jesse and I just called home a couple of years ago. Not necessarily the courthouse, but Benton Harbor, St. Joe, okay? Maybe closer to home, we see the, this life, or this week even, life that was lost in Cambridge, Illinois, right here in our own backyard and yard in Davenport in Rock Island. Not to mention around the world where we're seeing tragedies in France and the hundreds of lives that are lost in the last 48 hours in Turkey. And in moments like these, in difficult, dark days, it's important for us to remember that our God is on the throne. Amen? Amen. And it's in these days that God has positioned us as followers of Christ. It's in these days, in these dark moments, that he has positioned you and I, follower of Jesus, to shine the brightest. Now listen, we need to be a people that pray. We need to be a people that pray. In fact, prayer is the greatest privilege that we have as followers of Jesus. The fact that we get to communicate with a holy God, our creator, prayer is a great privilege. But what I want to ask today, and as we lean into the word of God together, we continue this what-if journey through the book of Philippians, is what if we did more than just pray? In fact, what if we were not only intentional about the words that we spoke vertically to our Heavenly Father, but what if we lived in a way, and we lived in an intentional way that others were drawn to Jesus through the way that we lived our life? In fact, the question I really want us to wrestle with today in this journey is, what if others were drawn to Jesus by how we lived? What if others were drawn to Jesus by how we lived? You see, today we are going to step into Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. We're going to work through verse 18. But at the heartbeat of this message, in this letter that Paul is writing to his friends, in this passage is the heartbeat of saying, live lives that others take notice of. Live in a way that others will see Jesus in you. Because in midst those days, which were dark as well, 
Paul knew, which, which I believe to be true as well, is that people step into relationship with Jesus, everything will be different. Everything will be different. Listen, if people in these days step into relationship with Jesus, they see Jesus in us, and because of that, they can become interested, and they step into relationship with him, they begin to see people differently. They don't see people now by their background or where they've been, what side of the tracks they came from, what their job is, the, their socioeconomic status, the color of their skin. They see them as men and women created in the image of God with inherent value, that imago dei, it changes everything. And so what if we, church, follower of Jesus, lived in a way that others were drawn to Jesus? And so as you, if you have your Bible, click or turn to Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. And let's jump into this what-if journey today. So let's check out verse 12. First word, therefore, time out. Okay, we're going to stop already. We'll be done by midnight, I promise, Okay. <laughs> But whenever we see the word therefore in scripture, we need to stop and ask the question, what is it there for, right? So last week, Paul in writing this word therefore is, is alluding back to what we talked about last week in verses 5 through 11. So I just want to read these. They're not in your guide. They're not going to be on the screen. But it's important for us to understand what Paul is beginning to charge his friends to do in light of what we're about to read. So as I begin to read in verse 5, this is what it says. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, not just when he stepped out of heaven, but he humbled himself by coming obedient to death. And not just death, the most despicable, the most despised death. He became obedient to death, even on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And then we step in, amen, yep, and then we step into verse 12. Listen, Therefore, in light of what we just read, in light of who, what Jesus did, in light of the example that he set, in light of the charge that Paul gave to his friends to have the same mindset as Jesus, he says, My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. You see, Paul in this moment is writing to his friends and encouraging them and imploring them to continue to be obedient, continue to live obedient lives just as they did when Paul was present, right? This is sort of like when growing up, you went to grandma's house. You guys remember those moments? And grandma is present, you are always on your best behavior, amen? Amen, but when grandma's not present, well, you know. Or maybe you don't. Bettendorf is tracking with me, that's good, right? But what Paul is saying here is when I was present, you were obedient. But even more so now. Remember, Paul is writing from prison, okay? He's not with his friends. He's saying even more so now, continue to be obedient and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now let me pause here for a minute because this passage of Scripture right here has created significant anxiety in the life of the church and in the life of some of us in the room. 
And so what I want to talk to here in a minute may be the one reason that God has, has brought you and drawn you into this place today. I believe God does that. His Holy Spirit stirs within us and he, he leads us to the right place at the right time to hear what he wants you to hear. And what I want you to hear is this, and don't miss this today. It's simply that salvation isn't worked for. Salvation isn't worked for. There is nothing that you and I can do to work for our salvation. There is nothing that you and I can do to earn our salvation. There's not enough boxes to check. There's not enough teams in the church to serve on, although we want you to do that, okay? There's not enough things that you can give to and be generous about to earn your salvation because salvation isn't worked for. Our salvation is possible through God's grace, through faith in Jesus alone. In fact, let's look at a couple New Testament scriptures just to show that today. Because some of us have been running the race trying to earn God's favor and to earn his love and to earn our salvation. But listen to the words of the scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Paul, same writer as Philippians, says, For it is by what? Grace. You have been what? Saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. And in case there's any, any confusion or any room for, for disagreement here, he says, it's not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation isn't worked for. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are what? Saved. All right, enough from Paul. Let's hear from Jesus' best friend, John, okay? In John chapter 3, probably the most quoted scripture of all time, one that we all love, right? John 3, 16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever does enough good stuff, serves on enough good teams, checks the right boxes, will be saved, right? No. He said that whoever, what, believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. You see, salvation isn't worked for. And this is incredibly good news for some of us in the room. In fact, I would say it's incredibly good news for all of us in the room. Amen? There's not enough good stuff that we can do to earn our salvation. And so today, for some of us in the room who have been trying to do enough good things or do the right things in hope of earning our salvation, listen, I'm going to ask you today, rather than trying to clean yourself up and then bring yourself to Jesus, and in this moment to embrace the reality that salvation isn't worked for. And today, may it be the day that you step into relationship with Jesus. In fact, in the back of your teaching outline, there's a prayer right at the top says how to start a relationship with Jesus. And I encourage you today, if you have not stepped into relationship with Jesus, to go to the back of your teaching guide and right now, look at that. It's not magic words, okay? It's, it's really more about the posture of the heart and saying, God, I know I've messed up. I know I've fallen short. And now I know that I can't do enough good stuff to earn your favor and to be saved. But Jesus, I believe that you came. You paid the price I should have paid. You died. You rose again. And today I'm declaring you as my Lord and my Savior. So if you haven't taken that step today, listen, I'm going to actually ask you to check out of the message. I, I just said that, okay? Check out of the message. Go to the back sheet and do business with Jesus. It's that important. You've never heard a preacher say, don't pay attention to me. But that's what I'm telling you because that's my heart for you. Salvation isn't worked for, but listen, Salvation is worked out. Salvation isn't worked for, it's worked out. Look at what Paul said, verse 12 again. He says this, Continue to work out your salvation 
with fear and in, with trembling. Essentially, what Paul is saying to his friends is, listen, when you've stepped into relationship with Jesus, your life should begin to look differently. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And he's speaking about this internal reality deep within you in your soul and your heart. But what Paul is saying is that your salvation then should come from within and be worked out in every area of your life. Another way to say that is that it should be expressed in every area of your life, both publicly and privately. Paul is saying your salvation should be worked out. Now listen, the first step of working out our salvation, we step into relationship with Jesus, is to be baptized. Now, baptism is a public declaration, an outward expression of an inward faith. And as a church, last week we celebrated at the Rock River right here behind the Rock Island campus alongside many who stepped into the waters of baptism and declared that they were free to live because of Jesus. So check out this video just celebrating what our God has done and is doing in the body of our church. Check it out. Is that not awesome? 64 people last weekend, men, women, children, stepped into the waters of baptism, every single one of them with a story. Whether it was being set free from an addiction, or if it was a challenge, or an area of brokenness, or sin, or simply just being set free from the penalty of sin, declaring that they had given their life to Christ. That never gets old. But listen, all 64 of them, including those of you and I in the room who are following Jesus, are all on a journey in which we are working out our salvation in every area of our lives. You see, salvation isn't worked for, it's worked out. Amen? It's worked out in the private areas of our life. It's worked out in the public areas of our life. And I got to tell you, some of these areas that, that God is working within us to work out our salvation are incredibly difficult areas. Can I get an amen on that? Somebody knows what I'm talking about. All right? But listen, here's the deal. God doesn't just ask us to work out our salvation. He gives us an incredible promise. And this is the promise here. It's simply that God has given us everything needed to be the people he desires. God has given us everything needed to be the people he desires. Now let that sink in for a minute. God is asking us to work out our salvation in every area of our life. But he doesn't just ask us and then not give us what we need to do that. That's not who our God is. He's given us everything needed to be the people he desires. Check out verse 13. 
For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. All right? For it is who? God. For it is God who works in you. Check this out. It's God that works in us to will, right? He not only works within us to give us the will, the desire to work out our salvation in every area of our life. He gives us the desire to do it, the will to do it. But he's not a God that just says, I'm going to give you the will and the desire, but I'm not going to give you the ability. Check this out. It says, for God is, it is God who works in you to will, give you the desire, but also and to act. He gives us the power through his Holy Spirit to actually live it out. Check this out. God says, I've I've worked within you. I've already done it, and I'm continuing to do it, but I've already worked in you, giving you the desire and the power to live the life that I desire you to live. In fact, look at what 2 Peter says. 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Peter says, by his divine power, God has given us what? He's given us what? Everything. We need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Peter, who's a disciple of Jesus, is saying, God has given you everything you need in the moment you stepped into relationship with Jesus. So, whether you've been following Jesus for 20 years or it was five minutes ago when I asked you to check out and do business with him and now you're back, welcome back, okay? It's in that moment, listen, God has given you everything you need. He's given you the desire, the will, and the power, the ability to act it out, to live the life that he desires for you. That's a great promise. That's a great promise. Look how Paul continues in verse 14 of chapter 2. All right, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to to fulfill his good purpose. And then he says, in light of the fact he's given you the desire, in light of the fact that he's given you the power to live it out, do everything without grumbling or arguing. This is a tough one, right? Because some of them are hard, right? But he says, I've given you the ability. I've given everything you need. So do it without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. I love that. Now listen, every one of us is on a journey of working our salvation out in every area of our life, expressing it in every area. I'm on the same journey, guys. It was in January of this year that we started this year with a a message series called Christian Atheist, right? Some of you remember that. And the heartbeat of this series was the reality that many of us profess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord, but we live as if God doesn't exist, let that shake in you a little bit, right? That's a challenging one. In fact, if you weren't there, I encourage you to go to heritageqc.com. You can check that out. But we looked at three different areas that in many ways, and there's many areas we do this, but we looked at the area of the heart, the area of health, and the area of our habits. And it was in that second week around the area of physical health that the Holy Spirit began to work within me to convict me and say, Justin, you're honoring me in many areas of your life, but physically you're not honoring me. Now, I got to tell you, I was hosting right here at Rock Island, and getting back up after that was a pretty difficult thing, all right? Wouldn't recommend it. But that day began a journey for me, 30, 60, 90 days, where I began to wrestle with God. And finally, I got to the point, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to get serious about this. And I made the decision I swore I'd never make, and the decision was to run, okay? Now, you're looking at me, and you're like, Justin, you are not built like a gazelle, and I'm not, all right? I was built for stability and high winds. That's what I've been built for, (laughs) short and wide, all right? But out of reverence for Christ and him working in me, I said, I'm going to step out and this is going to become a spiritual exercise for me. So I started to run, all right? And I ran at night so none of you would see me, all right? 
And I ran and I had headbuds or earbuds in my ears with music as loud as it could go. Not because I love music, which I do, but I didn't want to hear myself dying, okay? And so I would run at night and I would run and I'd run and it was a painful experience. But listen, eventually along the way, I felt like, you know what? I'm going to run a 5K. Brilliant idea, okay? And so... Here's what I did. I, I heard about this firecracker 5K coming up on July 4th. And, and so I went to some of my friends, some of you here in Heritage, and like, hey, we like to live linked. Will you run with me? Nobody wanted to run with me. Thanks for that, guys. All right? So sure enough, I drug my feet. I didn't sign up until July 3rd. I had to sign up by 6. It was 5.58, and I'm sitting with my wife on a date, and I pulled out my phone, which I don't recommend on a date, men, okay? And I said, I've got to sign up for this 5K. All right? I woke up at the crack of dawn, all right? Remember, I don't run in the daytime, let alone in the morning, around people. Like, this is foreign to me. And I show up to this 5K in East Moline, and the crazy thing was going on. There were people running to get ready to run. I don't know what their deal is. It's a unique culture. I'm learning, all right? So I went, I got my bib, I figured out how to put that thing on, and, and I got, and I squeezed in with thousands of people by the start gate, and I'm ready to go. I get my headphones in, and I'm getting, they, I cross the start line, and of course, the group in front of me starts power walking, all right? So now I am not only already anxious about the run, but now I'm claustrophobic as all get out, all right? But listen, eventually I made my way to the side, and I went down in 28 minutes and 22 seconds later. Listen, I crossed the finish line at the Firecracker 5K. Now, I share this with you not because I'm awesome and ran a 5K, okay? There's no videos out there, by the way. I've checked, so don't look, all right? There's no evidence other than my tab here. But for me, this is a deeply spiritual thing in which God is asking me to work my salvation out in this area of my life. This might not be the area for you. In fact, for some of us in the room, maybe God is, is wanting and, and stirring within you. He's already working within you and giving you the desire, maybe in the area of relationships and how you treat other people. Maybe it's something that is deeply personal and secret that only you and Jesus know about. Maybe it's faithfulness in your finances, faithfulness in your marriage. It could be an addiction. It could be a prejudice of something that you are wrestling with. But know this, listen, whatever he is stirring within you, he's given you the ability to live it out. God has given you everything you need to live the life that he desires. What if our lives drew other people to Jesus. You see, God's desire for us is that we would live out our faith in every area so that others would take notice of us in many ways that we would shine. In fact, God's desire for us is that our lives are meant to shine. Our lives are meant to shine. Listen, you weren't created to have a mundane, ordinary life where you just go about your days in and out of work, in and out of the grocery store, live in your neighborhood and just kind of blend in. God has created you to shine. Our lives are meant to shine. Look at what Paul says in verse 15. He says, then, then as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, then because of you working out what God has already worked in you, you will what? You'll shine. You'll shine among them, that depraved and crooked generation that he talked about, in the darkness. You will shine among them like stars in the sky. 
God's desire for you is that you would shine, that you would live an extraordinary life. And then he says, as you hold firmly to the word of life, as you hold firmly to Jesus. And what I want you to get this picture of is going through your everyday life, living in a way that is extraordinary, working out your salvation, expressing it in every area of your life, and then lifting up, holding on to, and lifting up Jesus. Because our lives are meant to shine, but here's the key. Our lives are meant to shine for his glory. For his glory. In fact, Paul said it in Philippians 2. Let's look at what Jesus had to say. Not John, not his best friend, Jesus' best friend, not Paul. Let's look at what Jesus, the Savior, the one that we gather to worship, had to say about you and me. He said in Matthew chapter 5, all right. He goes on to say, you're, you know, you're the light of the earth. You're, the, you're, you're a city on a hill. You don't, you know, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And then in verse 16, Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our lives were meant to shine for his glory. And you may hear that and these grandiose ideas of these juggernauts of the faith may pop in your head going, man, God is asking and now I've got to be this extraordinary man of God. I've got to be the Billy Graham where hundreds of thousands of people are coming to know Christ. And, and for some of us in the room, God may position you and give you the ability to do that. But here's what I think is true about all of us is that God has positioned us to shine for his glory in the ordinary, mundane areas of life. The everyday activities when you walk into work, you walk into school, you, you live in your neighborhoods and your communities. His desire for us is that we would shine for his glory in those places. In fact, I love what Oswald Chambers said. Oswald Chambers is a theologian, writer, author, and this is what he says. It is ingrained in us that we have to do exceptional things for God, but we do not. We have to be exceptional in the ordinary things of life and holy on the ordinary streets among ordinary people. It's powerful, isn't it? In the ordinary things of our life, God has positioned us and his intent for us is to shine for his glory. And that's happening in our church in just the last five days. I love how God orchestrates this. I had conversations with people from our family who I think just live this out. One is a, a stay-at-home mom, right? Stay-at-home mom who just as she was interacting with other moms with young kids realized that there was a challenge to find genuine community. Parents in the room, you know when you had young kids, it was incredibly difficult, all right? They're on, you're on their schedules and it just, they kind of run your life and she just realized that there were a group of moms that had a hard time finding genuine community. And so what she did is she opened the doors of her home they arrange for child care to be take, take place downstairs once a week. And these women now come into her home once a week. And the kids go downstairs, they're loved on, and they play and do their thing. And then the women come upstairs and just have an opportunity to engage the word of God together and just to talk and to communicate. She's shining for his glory. Another woman was out on a run and, and apparently had the ability to think, which I think is impressive, okay? But while she was running, she felt the Holy Spirit just in just kind of impress on her a word of encouragement for a woman who didn't know Jesus, that wasn't, didn't want anything to do with the Christian faith, but was looking at her husband on his deathbed because of an unexpected illness. And the Holy Spirit, while she was running, impressed just this word of encouragement that had to do with Jesus in it. And so she stopped and she sent this text to this woman, didn't hear anything back from her for a while. 
all right, uncomfortable. This is, she told me I would never do this. If I would have given enough time, I would have chickened out, all right? Some of us know what that's like. But what she didn't know is on the other side of the phone, that woman saw that text, happened to be with a, a guy who was a follower of Jesus. And out of that text in conversation with that guy, ended up stepping into relationship with Jesus that day. Ordinary things shining for his glory. There's a man at our Rock Island campus that every day walks around his workplace just simply to connect with men and women that he works with. No agenda other than to express care and concern to them, to let them know that they matter, that he loves working with them. He's building bridges with the hope that someday God might open a door that he could tell them about Jesus. He's shining for his glory. I sat down with coffee at Starbucks in Bettendorf this week with a, a guy who's a supervisor at one of the larger businesses in the area, and he asked me, Justin, how can I be intentional in my workplace and in my, where I'm, God has positioned me to point people to Jesus? And my answer to him was simple. I said, shine. Do the ordinary things exceptionally well. Work out your salvation in every area of your life. Show care and concern to those that work for you, those who you work alongside, those who you work for, and then watch out because what Jesus will open a door and you'll be positioned to shine, to point people to him. You see, our lives are meant to shine, but they're not meant to shine for our glory. They're meant to shine for his glory. So verse 17, as we finish out this passage of scripture, Paul says this, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And what Paul is saying here is even if my working out my salvation, even if my expressing my salvation in every area of my life, even if my shining for his glory cost me my life, which it did, he says, I'll rejoice, and you should rejoice with me. And I wonder, follower of Jesus, Heritage Church, I wonder if we had the same heart and the passion that Paul had in these dark days, what could happen? I wonder if we viewed our lives as our greatest tool to draw other people to Jesus, how that might transform our country, how that might transform our cities, how that might transform the world. What if others were drawn to Jesus by how we lived. So what? You might be asking, so what? What does this mean, Justin? It's great you ran a 5K. I'm proud of you, but you know, all that. But what does this mean for me? I just want to give us a few quick tangible things that I ask you to do and that I'm going to do walking out of this space this morning. And the first one is to examine your motivation. Examine your motivation. As you walk out of here, maybe it's even after our, after our last worship song, or maybe it's as you drive home or it's at lunch, I encourage you to ask a couple of questions of yourself. First of all, are you doing all the right things, seeking to work for your salvation? Are you trying to check the right boxes and hope that you can earn God's favor, that you can earn his love? All right? I want you to know God's crazy about you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. You can't work for your salvation. But for some of us, as we get in that quiet place and honestly examine our motivation, we might find that we're seeking to do, 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 and hoping to be a follower of Christ, to have salvation. But God's heart for you is that you step into relationship with him, and then your being, your working out your salvation comes out of what God has already done in you. Maybe ask the question of, of you know, are you seeking to do the right thing so that you receive recognition and you receive glory? Or are you doing it out of a place of wanting to see Jesus glorified, to see others know Jesus? 
You may even ask the question of what is my motivation to work out my salvation, to express it? Is, it. is it out of fear and anxiety? Or is it what Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? What he is talking about is, is this awe and wonder of what Jesus has done. And as a result of that, work out your salvation in every area of your life. Examine your motivation today. And secondly, choose to live out what he's placed in you. Choose to live out what he's placed in you. You see, God's already working in you. He's worked in you. He's working in you to give you the desire and the will. And he's given you the power to act and to live out and to live the life that he desires of you. But here's the thing about our God. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's given you the desire and the will. He's given you the power, but he will not force you to live it out. He's given you and I the free will to choose whether we will live it out, live out what he's lived, put, placed within us, or to not do that. And I know that some of the areas that which God is positioning us and asking us to live out our salvation are incredibly tough areas. You may feel like I'm, 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 I have a body that's built for stability and high winds, and you're asking me to function like a gazelle, all right? And there's areas in your life I know today that that is what God is stirring within you. But listen, he's given you everything needed to live the life that he's desired. But you have to choose to live out what he's placed in us. So examine your motivation and then choose to step and to live out what he's placed in you. And then finally, shine. Shine not for your glory, but shine for his glory. You see, we live in incredibly dark days, but I got to tell you, God has positioned us, the body of Christ, to shine the brightest. And when we do so, listen, our cities can be transformed. Healing can take place in our country, and these challenging days can be redeemed for the glory of God. What if others were drawn to Jesus through our life? In fact, look at one last scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Paul says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, his representatives, on earth, even in these days, even in these incredibly difficult days, we are Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What if we shined for his glory? What if others were drawn to Jesus by how we lived? What if others were drawn to Jesus by how we lived? So as we prepare to pray and close today, we are going to enter into a song called I Surrender. And as we sing that song, here's going to be my request of you. Whatever posture you take, wherever you're at, whether you lift your hands just as a visible, a physical reminder of your surrender to him, all right? I want to ask you in this moment today to examine your motives, to choose to live out what he's placed in you, and today to surrender and say, God, my life is not my own. I want to shine for your glory. And our worship teams at all of our locations are going to lead us in that song. But I just ask you to whatever posture you take, to simply today, just make the words of this song your heart's cry. Today I surrendered my life to you. I want to shine for your glory. For some of us in the room that haven't stepped into relationship with Jesus, this could be that moment for you. We have a tear off in the worship folder. I'd love for you to communicate with us because we want to celebrate with you and come alongside you. But in this moment of response, I'm just asking you to say, God, I surrender. I know that there is great opportunity in these days. And if we, the people of God, would surrender and shine for his glory, it would change the world. What if others were drawn to Jesus by how you and I
live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, that's our heart's cry right now as a people. God, we see what is taking place around us. We see the hurt and the tragedy. And God, our heart's desire is to see our world transformed, to see healing take place in the most unlikely of places. And so God, as a people, in this this moment, we examine our motivation. Thank you that you have given us everything we need to live the life you desire for us. And God, in this moment, in this place, we surrender. We choose, God, today to shine, not for our glory, not for our recognition, but Jesus, for your glory. So God, as we lift our hands, as we lift our voices, as we lift our hearts, as we walk out of this place, may you be glorified and honored and praised because Jesus, you and you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.